This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. You know, it's one thing to film to film just a hunt, like a deer hunt. You know, you walk to the stand, you get in the stand, you film the hunt, you film the shot, you film the recovery, you're done. But when you're filming an experience... There's so much more that you have to get, and and that's that's something too we can talk about. A roll versus. Oh, you got her, dude. She's down. Let's go. Dude, I just shot a deer of a lifetime. Freaking smoked him. One with nature, and if you're a believer, one with God. Definitely gets your heart pumping. Boy, you are in trouble. Welcome back, everybody, to another Fall Obsession podcast episode driven by our friends over at Ridge Rock Hunt Company. We'll talk about them at the end. But I am Sam with Fall Obsession, your podcast host, and back on here again with our Fall Obsession Vice President, Drew Tordick. Welcome back, Drew. Thanks, Sam. It's always good to be here. Yeah, man. Glad to get back on here, knock out another another podcast. Kind of a what we have in store for today is a topic that... Um, I, I know we we touch here and there over the course of the past 90 plus episodes that we've had on here. We've had some episodes that are more specifically centered around, you know, filming or, or that kind of thing here and there, especially toward the beginning of our podcast, I felt like. But one thing that we wanted to jump on here and talk about today was the the whole concept, the topic of content creation, basically. Um, it's It's a very broad subject. A lot can be included and we can unpack potentially a lot with it today if we really wanted to um but it's really it's something that kind of has its own unique twist i feel like in the outdoor industry and with us being a media production company with us primarily focusing you know our our business model you know a lot revolves around the content creation aspect i think it's something that's uh a lot of people on a podcast don't really dive into and we're going to take a stab at it. So, um, to kind of kick things off, um, I know that you just had uh, a little bit of a time with some folks up there in Minnesota at, uh, what is it? Sandpine pheasants. I think is that, that where you went? Yeah, that's correct. I was out there. Uh, it was a group of 30 guys. Uh, they were doing a European pheasant hunt. Uh, so there's 10 stations that they shoot from and, I think they had 330 pheasants they were shooting, and it was a pretty good time by everyone. I know this time I think they shot a little over 2,500 shells, um, wow. but I've seen those numbers as high as five, 6,000 in, wow. in a day. So it's, it's a good time. So I, I'm going to start off our podcast by jumping off topic real quick. Uh, yep. I, I am from Texas. I don't know anything about a European pheasant hunt. You're talking about them shooting from stations. Can you... Just because yeah. now I'm all of a sudden curious, can you describe this experience a little bit for me in more detail? Yeah, no, it's something that 
it was new to me too the first time I saw it. Um, it's a, it's actually a really fun time. It's it it's an old hunting tradition. It is an old hunting tradition um, back from like the king's times where they would uh, get a royal party together and go out hunting, and rather than having to walk through the fields, they would essentially line up around a field, and the birds would be flushed out to them. Uh, so I guess the modern equivalent of that is to be safe. It's a giant circle where it, nobody's shooting each other. You're shooting over the heads of the other person safely. And there's a lot of trees in between to block the shots and nobody's shooting low. Um, so it's, it's all done in a safe manner, but you're essentially around a release point where the birds are being released and flushed out to you. And you stand at these safe stations and shoot the birds as they fly overhead. Huh? It completely new concept. I learned something today. I, I, I never heard of that before. That's pretty neat. Yeah. So you went out there with the content creation mindset from my understanding, you weren't going out there as a hunter. So going into now that we know a little bit more about what the hunt consists of, how does that translate to you as, as far as what you're trying, what you're trying to capture and what in your mind is significant enough about that experience to document it? Yeah. Uh, so I guess from my point of view, when I'm out there trying to create content, I'm looking for what portions or what individual aspects of the hunt does it take to convey the full story, right? What, if you saw these pieces individually would tell you at the end of the day, this is what happened in the field that day. This is the general hunt that those guys were on. Um, so for that general situation, um, what I have is, you know, birds flying real high, um, getting shot at, uh, got guys at those safe shooting stations taking shots, some of it in slow motion. Um, I've got the dogs making the retrieves. Uh, you know, some slow motion retrieves always look pretty cool on film. Um, and then sort of that that capture at the end of what does it look like when all the shooting's done, you know, gathering up the birds, hanging them up for display, the, the picture taken, the group camaraderie, the the event back at the clubhouse where everyone's fed dinner and they sit around and, you know, talk about the day's hunt. So how do you capture all of those pieces in each individual aspect um, to really help you tell that full story? Telling the story is, is a term that, that I use a lot and I, I, I love it personally. It, it frames it up perfectly. The, cause that's exactly what you're trying to do. And there's different ways to do it depending on the project that, that you're working on. Um, it requires a lot of, a lot of forethought. It requires a lot of, uh, work. I mean, for, for lack of a better term, cause you're, you're pretty much out there constantly trying to capture everything just so that you have, you have more pieces than you're going to need in the end is what it translates to. And, and then we can talk maybe a little bit more here in a minute about, um, just bits and pieces of the of the editing room and how it translates to that but the you're you're framing everything up you're telling a story different ways to do that one is just through through the actual footage which like you're documenting experience from start to finish other times you can actually start pulling specific people maybe to share their part of that story to share their experience and one I know one one uh, film that we've put out that I was going to mention is our the first installment of what we're trying to kick off is our My Obsession series with our veteran hunt giveaway winner Mark Zorich um, from this past December on the Whitetail Hunt here. That video is on our YouTube channel, so you, you guys can go see it now. But that, I mean, we, we just started filming for as soon as we got out there. I, I was the, I was the cameraman on that one. So we're just, we're videoing the whole time. We're videoing everything. And then toward the end of the trip, we actually start pulling Mark and actually doing more of a, an, an interview style, um, of production with him where he can actually share his side. And then when, when we get to the editing, editing room, that translates over you know, you're, you're mixing and matching, you're combining that stuff together to, again, complete that story in whole, because as he describes things, you now have the footage to back it up. So a, a lot of different ways to do that, but 
telling the story is is the best way to say that because you're you know it's one thing to film to film just a hunt like a deer hunt you know you walk to the stand you get in the stand you film the hunt you film the shot you film the recovery you're done but when you're filming an experience there's so much more that you have to get and and that's that's something too we can talk about a roll versus b-roll footage with that too um because i am a big believer in b-roll footage helping tell that story um and from a creator standpoint and i'm gonna i'm gonna get a little bit into the the method behind the madness with some of this too but from a creator standpoint we are you want to be engaging you want your content to to pop to be appealing and to keep people engaged and when you when you show the same shot for too long or even if somebody is verbally talking about a really interesting experience just a video of them sitting there talking about that without having the b-roll footage to back it up and show what they're referencing you lose people that way and so that that's the that's the line you have to walk is trying to find that balance to where you can you can tell the story you cannot leave out any information but you're at the same time you're not you're not uh boring people if you will you're keeping them engaged so and and b-roll footage is it helps a lot tell that story but at the same time it it can be very challenging to to get enough and i know a majority of the b-roll footage that i i capture is kind of it's kind of spur of the moment you know it's not something that you plan it's something that you see and as the creator you grab it right then and there yeah i know one thing just from my personal experience is keep that camera rolling right you i guess at the end of the day you never know what the narrative of the story is going to be and there are times you know filming in cold conditions filming in rain where put the camera away and it always seems like that's the moment that something interesting happens it may have nothing to do with the hunt but it is something that you look back on it and you're like man i really wish i would have captured that 30 seconds of that conversation that we just had or whatever it is and so i found that you know back to telling the story the easiest way to do that is to record everything let the story tell itself and you know really kind of define the story at the end of the day or even potentially as far into it as the editing room yeah you know there's times where i've come out of a hunt not knowing what it's going to look like once we edit it together and i'm real happy with the work that nick does in the editing room and sometimes i'm really surprised with what he's able to do with what we give him yeah absolutely yeah it we like you said you you come out of that not knowing what you're going to have and i know like for me with um with that hunt with Mark, it was, it it was a little, is a little intimidating because one, we're event hosts on this thing. And, and, and I'm not saying anything that I haven't said to Mark on this podcast already, but we were event hosts on this thing. So obviously I want things to go smoothly. I want it to be a good experience for Mark. And thankfully it was the same time trying to produce content for this at the same time. I didn't know. I just, I was videoing everything. I have a, I have hours of footage. I'm probably never going to use, but filming everything. And then you're spot on when you say that you just, you have to keep the camera rolling. Cause I remember like we'd come back to camp. It was kind of the end of the day. Everybody's winding down. We put the stuff down, the gear down, go in the kitchen we cook just a a pretty simple meat and taters kind of dinner but then we'd sit down and eat dinner and just start talking and at some point during the conversation i just have this realization like oh my gosh i need this this is the moment that i need captured right here and my i'm freaking stuff in my face and my camera's on the other side of the room so nobody's perfect nobody captures everything but but I mean, you're spot on. You you have to keep it rolling to get to get the absolute most out of everything that uh, a project has to offer. Yeah, and, and I mean, at the end of the day, hunting videos all sort of have the same subject matter, right? It's going out in the field and shooting an animal, and it's all of the other nuances and all of the other challenges and all of the other in between, right? It's the, the it's the white space in between that makes an interesting story especially with hunting content 
Yeah, and, and that's where, that specifically is where we can, we or anybody, I'm not, I'm not, I'm using us as the obvious example, but it's where people set themselves apart is, is in those unique things. Cause you're right. Hunting content is pretty, pretty standard across the board. You have to find your niche. You have to find your look, if you will. And you, you, I mean, you can go on YouTube and all, I mean, I, I, I won't plug any names, but if you're, if you're big into the online hunting content world, just as a viewer, as a subscriber, you know, all the big name channels, you know, these guys that are, that are doing good stuff with their videos and everything. And it's because they have a unique look one. They might have a unique subject matter, like hunting in the suburbs of Atlanta or, you know, whatever it might be. But, um, at the same time, they, the way that they present their content is in a very unique way specific to them. And that's what content creators have to come up with is that unique way. And then being able to one, continue it, continue presenting stuff in your fashion, but also, also evolve it and mature it because the more that you do this, the better you will get. I mean, we're, I feel like our, our brand is a, is a good example of it. I'm not by any means claiming to be huge experts on the matter. We're blue collar outdoorsmen, but at the same time, you go back and look at our videos from three, four years ago, and then look at what we're putting out today there's a difference. It's still a fall obsession production, but you can see that maturity. You can see that evolution and how things have changed over time. That being said, keep your, keep your look, keep your vision, but don't be afraid to mature as your own experience does because it, it's only going to help you, your content, your followers. And it can be intimidating. I know it's been intimidating for me in the past to whether it's a new camera, new editing software, a new filming technique, or somebody telling me, hey, that footage really wasn't that great, try this next time, and it hurts your pride a little bit. But it's what you need to hear, and you're better for it in the long run. So getting in a little specifically, too, on on the editing side of everything, I don't want to, to give away, like I said, I'm not, I'm not here to, to give away secrets necessarily, by, by any means, but... Um, from the editing side of a content creator, you know, the, the filming, the production is only, is only half of it, you know, and where everything comes to life is obviously in that stage between filming and, and, and hitting whatever screen you're putting it on and editing room being that. So I, you talk about telling that story and everything and you have to, and your style, your, your method to your own madness and everything, all that, all that comes together in in the editing room and one thing that i think really helps from the creation standpoint from the producer standpoint is one knowing knowing your editor whether it's you or whether it's somebody else knowing their capabilities and knowing knowing how they are going to see this content and how they are going to be able to produce it i imagine the most of the guys that are listening to this podcast to try and get some pointers on content creation are probably their own editors uh, more than likely or um, they could even be one of our own guys in which case nick powell's your editor but um that being said guys editing their own content that is the best possible scenario in my opinion, because from the very start, from the time you hit the field, you already have in your mind what you want it to look like. And so when you start filming and everything, you can already be envisioning that you can already be thinking about the shots that you want, um, the, the footage that you need, the information, the storytelling aspect of it that you may need to make sure you include. And then when you get to the editing room, it's all the more easy. I think if you're using another person as your editor and you have a certain vision like that for your project, you definitely have to communicate that with them. You have to have the time to, to sit down with them and everything. I know here at Fall Obsession, Nick is our media production guy. He's the guy that does a majority of our, our film edits and stuff. 
Um, and not to say that you or I, Drew, don't have the, the capabilities to do that. That's just how our responsibilities here at the company have unfolded. I know for me, one of the scariest things that I've done since being a part of Fall Obsession was bringing Nick into that role. And I've told him this, and and he's probably chuckling at himself listening to me talk about it. But, um, you know, because up until Nick taking on that role, I did the majority of the editing. I did a lot of the filming, so I had that vision on how I wanted the project to look. And bringing Nick into that role was like, okay, now I'm completely letting go of and, and not, I don't want to say control because I don't want to sound like a control freak, but letting go of the own control that I have over the project and letting somebody else do it. And Nick and I met, we, you know, we, we worked together. I, I taught him some stuff and, and trained me. And even since then, he's come back and taught me stuff and trained me on stuff that I didn't even know how to do. But um, basically finding common ground in how we want our productions to go. And, and that was the goal so that... Yes, it's primarily his responsibility, but whether somebody sends footage and I edit or he edits it, it's going to be, for the most part, the same result. And when you're doing it for a brand, for your own hunting page, whatever a listener might be thinking about, you know, if you got more than one guy in your editing room, I think that's important, is to have that consistency across the board. So, um, I don't know. You got any thoughts yeah. on, on being, being the guy behind the computer? Yeah, I guess, you know, you had mentioned a little bit of reservations when we brought Nick on. You know, I'd be lying if I wasn't right in the same boat with you. And I think that comes back to that brand identity that you were talking about. Mm -hmm. Really having one person in that editing booth controlling the final image of your brand is really important to the final look. And it's that it's that old thing, too many cooks in the kitchen can spoil the, the sauce. And what we had going was good. I'm really happy with the results that we're seeing with Nick now. Um, but it was like you're saying, it was, it was a, an opportunity for us to expand, but it also took a lot of trust on our part to bring somebody else new into that and hope that content came out the way that we'd hoped. Yeah. So you guys as listeners to this episode are getting a little, a little inside info on fall obsession with, with where this conversation went there and, uh, hearing a little bit about, the the evolution from a couple of years ago of of putting Nick in that role and what's funny is Nick's probably the one editing this podcast right now so he's probably uh he's probably listening to us talk about him without his own right to defend himself but we'll give him that opportunity in a future podcast I'm sure but um one thing I will touch on again not trying to give away any secrets or anything but while we're on the subject of the editing room guys I mean if you're some people, there's plenty of classes out there um, that guys can take for whether it's just software specific with the program, whatever it might be that you're using. Um, and, and if you guys are wondering, uh, we at Fall Obsession use Adobe products, pretty happy with them. Um, and again, it provides that consistency for, for guys who are all on different devices, you know, with the capability to edit projects. Um, so that's, that's what we use at least. But what I'm getting at is there's plenty of resources out there for you guys to learn. If you're trying to learn more about your software, more about editing techniques, um, maybe you're comfortable with it, but you just know that there's more to it, you know, and you just want to learn more. Again, there's info on that, whether you're looking up YouTube videos, actually taking a class. I know there's some companies out there that even do classes specific to um, outdoor filmography. And, you know, they're they're out there and available for you guys. You can look them up, but... Uh, what I'm getting at is you learn by trial and error. Um, none of us here at Fall Obsession have taken a film or an editing class to my knowledge. I know I haven't. Everything that we've learned, everything that you see on our pages is self-taught. It's over years of trial and error. And that's one of the best ways to learn is just learning what you can do and what you're capable of over time with your own productions. Um, I know I cringe sometimes when I go really far back and look at some of our videos, you know, I mean, we, we've come a long way, like I said earlier, but, um, I, I will say just a couple of quick pointers for the editing room. If you guys really, if, if, if you're looking for pointers in this episode, I'll give you a couple, um, transitions are huge. The transitions, um, and how it correlates with the music and the story that you're telling, um, it, it can make or break your video. 
and there are times for um, a transition that is has movement in it from one frame to another and sometimes the music can help with the transition and you don't even have to put anything in there you can just put two clips together and it switches from one to the other um, again I think the music and the story you're trying to tell dictates whether whether you use one or not um, the best way to find your own style and and see how those transitions are applicable is go on YouTube and start watching hunting videos from numerous different channels. You will pick up on stuff that these guys do over here and those guys do over there and you will over time be able to bring them together and put your own style together. Again, Nick's not on this podcast to contribute or defend himself, but um, I send him stuff pretty regularly um, from other hunting pages. You know, I'll see a video, I'll send him something and be like, hey, check out what they did at this point in the video with that edit or check out their intro right here. This is pretty sweet. And they're able, and you know, we kind of talk about it and everything. And sometimes something similar eventually makes its way to one of our productions, and sometimes it doesn't. So, um, just watching other people's stuff, it goes a long way, and it helps you develop that own style and find things that you like. Or you might see something that they did on their edit, and it inspires you to go learn how to do it yourself and further in your knowledge, your own capabilities. So, couple yeah. brief pointers, but. Drew, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to add, you know, don't let your equipment or your experience hold you back. Mm -hmm. um, get in there, try it. If you're not happy with the results, redo it. Um, if you're happy with the results, awesome. Try harder next time and see if you can make something even better than what you just created. And and on that note, too, don't be intimidated if you don't have a, a nice big video camera or something like that to create content because we are in an age where smartphones are better than they ever have been and I will admit it but an iPhone Pro Max whatever this thing is that uh I've created some fall obsession content with that thing I mean even videos that you see on our pages some of the footage comes from an iPhone Mark our veteran hunt giveaway winner he can tell you um, how many times I was filming with a video camera versus filming with an iPhone out there with him and I'll let uh, I'll let you guys watch the video and try to pick it apart and see if you can tell the difference. But smartphones, man, have come such a long way that I mean, almost everybody has a high quality video camera in their pocket every day of the week. So you're not you're not limited with uh, by not having a big camera. And those slow mo shots, I mean, being able to do that on your phone and not have to adjust settings and not have to change a bunch of things and go back and do it post-production in the editing room is huge. Um, so that's been a feature that I definitely use my phone for is that slow-mo camera. Absolutely. For sure. So I guess one thing that I think I'd offer up as a piece of advice is that um, one of the most important things for me in a video, on a hunting video, is good audio. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, the number of bad videos that I've seen where somebody comes in and you can barely hear the audio from the person talking and then all of a sudden there's a a really loud music track that comes in and kind of throws everything even more off balance and it i guess it's one of those things that somebody just starting off that'd be one of the tips that i'd give them is really focus on your audio output your audio production on your on your end product that's gonna it's gonna keep people engaged but more than keeping people engaged, it's going to prevent people from becoming unengaged, which is when you lose them real quick. Yeah. We talked earlier about keeping them engaged and, and, you know, breaking things up that B-roll footage and everything, but audio, audio plays a, a huge part. Drew is, is spot on with that. And, you know, you can, it, it can be hard sometimes to, to balance it out or, or you might be listening to it and somebody else might have a completely different, uh, different take on it um biggest advice on the best way to do that is one don't let your your music if you're putting music in a separate track on your video as drew already alluded to don't let that overpower um the story that you're telling it's it's an additive to that story it's helping you tell that story it's it, it is not taking over it shouldn't and you shouldn't feel like that um some pointers on just audio in general and making sure that those levels and everything are right. 
some guys edit with headphones. Some guys edit without them. Um, listen to it with both. You know, if you edit with headphones before you wrap up that video, listen to it without. You know, in a in a, a reasonably quiet environment. That way, you, you can maybe hear what it's going to sound more like if somebody's watching it on their computer or on their on their phone or something like that without headphones. Um, if you edit, if you edit without headphones, bef check your production with them um, before you you wrap it up because you will pick up on stuff. You might hear stuff that you did not hear in the video before. Um, so check it with that. And when in doubt. Have somebody else watch it. Have somebody else look at it and see if they pick up on anything. I know with some of the edits that that I've done before we publish, I send them over to Nick and like, hey man, watch this, see what you think. And he does the same with me. He sends them over, hey, tell me what you think, and we critique each other. We we say, hey, this is good. I really like this, or we might need to change this. We start bouncing ideas off of each other. We take it back to the edit editing room and fix it up. Not because we think that we know better than the other guy, but it's a different perspective. It's somebody else that is looking at it that can, again, critique it. And then not only that, but we're making ourselves better because maybe I see something that he doesn't. I know how to fix it or vice versa. And then he learns something from me. I learned something from him all that comes together and helps us for future productions. So absolutely make sure that your audio is, uh, is squared away and listen to it in a couple different fashions before you, before you put it on your pages. So, and to talk a little bit before we get into any kind of conclusion, I know we've mentioned B-roll footage and talked a little bit about it to start. I, I just, I don't know. I, I want to emphasize that, that capturing things that you might not think about, or even the stuff that you don't think will go well in a production, um, that kind of stuff can sometimes, you know, end up being really beneficial to you. And I'll give you one instance specifically as far as B-roll goes um, to kind of bring that home. It was on our on this uh, veteran hunt that I was on. Um, Mark and I were walking back from the stand the first evening, and the moon was shining. It was just starting to get dark and everything, which of course with a camera, and keep this in mind too guys, another tip is, you know, light that you see with your eyes is going to be less light with the camera when you're in those low light situations. So keep that in mind when you're out there filming. But we're, we're walking back and I'm a little bit behind him and I'm just looking at him walking, the moon shining down and kind of the tree line, everything right there. I'm like, eh, why not? So as I'm walking... I just roll roll film at a low angle, looking up at him and everything, um, not knowing if I'd be able to use the shot or anything. If you go and watch the My Obsession video today, that is the shot where we basically announce the series. Like it 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 ended up being a, a huge puzzle piece in that video. So. Like Drew said earlier, roll on everything because you never know what you're going to get. You might not even know you have something until you get in the editing room and you're like, holy crap, this is freaking sweet. So roll on everything, man. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. I know I had a, a similar story, you know, going back to that staff hunt we had down in Texas a mm -hmm. number of years ago. And you know, Andy, and Me Andy Meeks and I were sitting in the blind together and, you know, just rolling B-roll footage of just some does out feeding on the feeder and kind of hanging out making jokes about some cattle that were nearby and all of a sudden you know here comes this zebra walking <laughs> and it was something that had i not had the camera on and rolling it happened so fast and was in and out of there that we never would have had footage of it but it turned out amazing it's one of the, my favorite things i've ever filmed so that that shot y'all's response was i mean that that in general because because i was back at camp and you texted me right after that happened that whole thing was one of my highlights from that trip because y'all were so we had no idea nobody did that there were exotics out there so we were so freaking excited all that is to say one of the best i think from your video one of the best shots we've ever gotten is of andy from that trip he's looking at the camera the most surprised look i've ever seen on his face and in the corner of the frame 
there's a half-eaten banana <laughs> in his hand. And if you guys are watching the podcast video, I'm going to put that on the screen right now. Um, that way you guys can see it. Um, if you're if you're just listening to the audio here a couple days after we put the, the audio track out, the video will be out and you can go see it. But that, that picture is one of the one of my favorites probably from from any hunting trip that we've had just again like you said hadn't had the camera rolling wouldn't have got it so yeah yeah and that i mean that was a funny story to begin with we had gotten in late the night before from a long day of driving in from minnesota and andy had already gone to bed to rest up for the next day's hunt and we were sitting there with the property owner and he mentioned hey man there's these zebras that we have on this property they're free range but they're off limits so if they come in get some video of them and don't shoot them yeah and I thought, yeah, well, you know, it's a huge property. What it was like six thousand acres. Sixty-seven hundred acres. Yeah. What are the chances? I figured, I figured the odds of them coming in that first morning wasn't very high, but got the surprise of the week. <laughs> <laughs> sure enough. Well, that trip too, man. Like I know it's it's over two years ago now at this point, but that trip too, and and we have some footage from that time frame on our YouTube of that hunt and everything, but. That trip was a, a good example too of a bunch of different content creators coming together, you know, and not to say any of us have uh, the exact same style of filming or anything, but we all, like we had 10 guys in camp, a majority of which were filming, and we had a bunch of different guys and footage from a bunch of different cameras coming into the editing room on that. One guy did the edit, and... Uh, it, it, it turned out great, the few videos that we put out from that hunt. So, um, again, it's when you, and I'll speak a little bit to this because it is relevant to our fall obsession guys that are listening to this podcast. We have so many different guys in different places with different styles of filming. But bringing that all together to a common editing room and what and for other content creators you know whatever the circumstance might be bring in different cameraman stuff to a common editing room to a point you can make that you can turn that into a consistent vision and a consistent format um as it rolls out with that common editing room um some footage might have to get bounced you know if it if it lacks the quality because quality does play a big part but if the quality is there the production can be edited um, to match a, a creation style, you know, so that, and again, I, I say that in this podcast, if it's useful to you as a creator, then, then great. But mainly for our own staff's benefit is if the quality is there nine times out of 10, we can do something with it. So one thing that I did want to touch on, um, too, it's, it's come and gone out of my mind throughout our conversation today, but, um, and, and this might be a little bit more relevant too to the photography side of things because photography is it's not something we've talked a lot about today but it is something that's relevant to to us as a media production company in the outdoor industry um, is angles because angles are everything and I hate crappy angles I do I don't I'll put it, I'm just putting it bluntly <laughs> I mean it it takes and this is again i'm speaking from my own experience and what i have learned over time it takes a very little i feel like amount of effort to change your angle and it completely tells a different story through a photograph and it's applicable to video too but i'm mainly speaking in turn of photography right now um i know I know lower angles i'm a fan of personally i feel like a lot of stuff come comes out better at a lower angle Sometimes not, but, um, I, you know, I'll, I'll use just somebody, you kill a big buck, you're taking a picture, you're, you have your buddy taking a picture of you with the big buck, you're taking a picture of him, whatever it might be. Um, so many guys just stand up right, snap a photo, move on, we're going on to the next thing. When dropping down so that you are eye level with that animal, um, can make a huge difference in how that photo is perceived. And I'm not trying to make, I'm not trying to tell you to, that you're supposed to use angles that make the animal look gigantic or way bigger than it's supposed to be. I'm not, I'm not trying to teach trick photography here, but those lower angles just, again, are more appealing to the eye. And when you're an online company, I do, I, and I, 
oh we're getting we're getting right into the gray area for me but i don't want to i don't want to make it sound like we're doing everything for the likes or for the follows or anything but we're an online brand at the same time and and that's where we grow and everything and so we look at it through the eyes of we need that quality we need those those shots that pop and everything and low angles help with that and then just being creative helps with that too just stepping back looking at a situation and thinking okay what are some angles that are different you know or what's something that i've seen somebody else in a photo can i do that the answer is yes you can absolutely you can um instead of just taking a quick snapshot like i said from a standing position and moving on if you are trying to create your own outdoor content um pay attention to your angles because it will make uh, a huge difference and other stuff that you can think outside the box i can't speak for android users i can only speak for iphone users but with like with this phone for example again talking about stuff that everybody has in their pocket not a high-tech camera or anything these newer iPhones, or at least the Pros, they have a, a wide angle setting on them for photos. I love it. Majority of our, uh, our Texas Dirt series, which is filmed kind of in a vlog style, I feel like, for lack of a better term, is filmed on a wide angle. It turns out pretty good. And then one photo from that veteran hunt that I will put on the screen right now in the podcast video um, is a photo that... It's basically from above the hunter. It's from above Mark where he's standing there with or sitting there on the ground with his deer. That photo is one of my favorite photos from the trip. And I did not take it with a drone or anything like that. I took it with a wide angle iPhone standing on my tiptoes on the ground. You don't see my boots. You don't see any of that. The angle was right, but it's a, it is literally looks like it's coming from straight above the guy. And again thinking outside the box thinking what can I do that's creative and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't sometimes you take a photo and you delete it right away because you're like nah don't like it but you got to try that's how you that's how you find those unique shots that pop yeah and I'd even add to that you know don't don't be afraid to take too many pictures yeah take pictures from all different angles because really you only get one opportunity at it Mm -hmm. or it's all processed up and you don't have that opportunity. And and on that note too, just because as we're working through it too, um, you know, we talk about filming everything. Don't let the end of your hunt or the end of your recovery finish your journey, you know, through your production, whether you're taking pictures or video, whatever it might be, because the story isn't over. Now, I, you might be trying to tell a specific part of that story. You might not have a need for stuff like that, but the, the journey's far from over. And like, like Drew said, don't be afraid to take take too many, whether it's photos, videos, whatever it be. But you still got to get that thing back to camp. You still got to get that thing quartered out, processed up, packaged up. If you do your own processing in the freezer, all that kind of stuff. Hey, it's called a content opportunity is what that's called, you know, start to finish. So might be a good spot to end. I don't know, unless we got something else, but don't let the work of the content intimidate you because it is work because especially if you're doing it by yourself self filming is a whole a whole nother ball game we've been talking about everything today from a self or from a content creator standpoint i don't think we have time to get into the self filming side of everything today that might that probably have to be an episode of itself but um, if you're doing everything on your own it's even harder i mean that that's just a given and it's a lot easier for you to fall into the hole of minimizing your production of minimizing how much stuff you capture how much how many minutes that film's rolling or how many photos you take whatever it be and it's really easy that as soon as you walk up on that animal and get that final kill shot of you holding them upright you're done signing off i'm gonna go to work now and get this thing cut up man if that's what you gotta do it's what you got to do, but if you're really trying to be a content creator, you got to keep that thing rolling. And I'll raise my hand. I'm guilty of, of turning the camera off and being done at that point. This last year when I killed my deer, I also tried to keep it going a little bit. I got video of me trying to lift that thing in the truck all by myself. So, um, 
you know keep keeping that camera going can uh can be a struggle sometimes if you're doing it on your own but like i said sometimes it it makes the world a difference in what the end product is yeah and you know even for those people at home who aren't ever going to create any anything to share on social media um, but just want that really good trophy picture i think taking a few extra minutes right well, i guess my recommendations for those people who are looking for an extra a ways to improve their trophy pictures right take the extra time to put the the deer or whatever your trophy is in in a proper setting right mm-hmm. it means dragging it 20 yards to get it out of some thick brush so that you can see your surroundings do that if it you know if it involves turning and facing the sun rather than having the sun at your back you know do that um yeah <laughs> See, I mean, I'm raising my hand. I did that. We've all done it. Um, The other thing I'd recommend is take those pictures, those trophy pictures, before you field dress. Right? The number of people that I've seen that take the time to field dress the animal and then decide to do the pictures as an afterthought. I mean, they're nice deer. It's nice, but you're never going to end up with the picture in the quality that you want um, if you if you wait until after you field dress. Yeah. One last tip: if you're looking to take blood off of fur, you know, whitetail fur, elk fur, whatever it is, um, and you're nearby the truck and you've got access to a bottle of Windex, Windex will take that blood right off the fur and really help you clean up those pictures. So, mm-hmm. the tricks of the trade that we use to help get better pictures. Yeah, for sure. Man, and and you're getting you're getting me all wound up about my pet peeves, but uh, <laughs> the the background of photos, man. Oh my gosh. I just, some that I see on social media, it's like, really, man, you couldn't have taken that a few minutes earlier out in the woods instead of in your cluttered up garage or whatever it might be, you know? I mean, man, that, it plays such a huge role. Even if, even if you're not a content creator, if you're just listening to this podcast because, you know, and you just, but you, I mean, everybody takes a picture of deer they shoot, you know, take it out in the woods, man. Don't wait till you get back to your garage or bed of your truck now granted i have seen some pretty cool photos there's a there is a creative aspect to taking a picture of a deer in the back of the truck don't get me wrong and you can be very creative with that but if you got a cooler and tools and tarps and a bunch of other crap back there that nobody wants to look at it typically doesn't help the deer out any so yeah no and i mean take all those pictures right take take the pictures in the bed of the truck take the pictures in the garage of it hanging there Take the picture. I mean, one of my favorite pictures of after the harvest is the full freezer with all the brats in it. You know, it's a fun picture to send all my friends. And yeah, it, it it is what it is. But make sure you leave yourself something to go back and look at and really share with people. Yeah, absolutely. Well, man, we we unpacked a we unpacked a lot. I feel like, and at the same time, I feel like we just scratched the surface on a lot of stuff. I know. I know from a podcast standpoint or from a let's do a video over this standpoint, you know, there's sometimes it feels like there's only so much you can touch. I do feel like for the time we had today, we, we gave some good pointers and brought some good stuff out. Uh, as we already mentioned, the self-filming thing is a whole nother topic. I think that'd be a good one to maybe do a, a part two on some point with Nick in on that conversation too. Um, and that way he can at least defend himself or speak up for himself when we're talking about him. So, um, but for now, we're probably going to call it uh, a wrap on today. Again, if you guys are, if you guys are listening to this as a content creator, if you're wanting to get better at your own outdoor content, or um, like I said, maybe you're just listening because you're a, a loyal podcast listener or just cause sound interesting, whatever it might be. Um, hope you guys got something out of this and, and are able to take something away for, for your own use or anything. Again, we're not trying to, we're not trying to hide any of our, our secrets or anything, but I mean, a, a lot of what we learn is by trial and error over time. You know, you keep doing it long enough, you'll get better at it, whatever it might be. So, but we appreciate you guys tuning in, um, to this week's fall obsession podcast. If you have not already hit that follow and subscribe button on whatever podcast platform or app you're listening on. We are on all major podcast apps as well as our website has all our episodes on it, fallobsession.com and our YouTube channel. We're putting out, uh, pretty much trying to put out a video now for every 
podcast episode we have as well as just the audio recording on there but um all as a saving virtually like uh drew and i are doing today which is how most of our podcasts these days are recorded um we're putting out videos for you guys so be sure that you tune in subscribe that way you get notified um whenever we drop a new video we're also putting out a, a bunch of other videos on our youtube channel and stuff like that so um we talk about content creation we talk about what we do here as a media production company that youtube channel is where you can see it all come to life so be sure that you guys subscribe to that check it out start watching some videos um facebook instagram twitter again the youtube all of our socials go follow follow obsession we post daily um on there with a lot of different stuff as far as what we're doing what our staff's doing um Again, we're content creators, so you guys are going to see the the best of what we got uh, coming in on those pages. We got staffers in a wide variety of states across the country that are contributing that content as well, um, revolving around a bunch of different subjects and stuff like that. So um, head on over to Fall Obsession. We have something for you wherever you hunt. Um, that being said, our website, fallobsession.com, that's the hub. That's where you guys can go to find all the content, whether it's photos, video series, educational articles, wild game recipes, our apparel, we have it all on there. Um, also on our website, fallobsession.com slash podcast is where you listen to the podcasts. We are coming up on episode 100 of our podcast. Um, we're eight episodes away now and that podcast will consist of our entire administrative team getting together, all four of us for the first time, Drew and myself included, um, to get together and just kind of have a conversation, discuss some fall obsession stuff. And we're giving you guys the opportunity with that milestone episode to be a part of it by submitting your feedback, submit a question, submit a topic suggestion, whatever it might be, set it into us, and we will address it during that podcast. Again, episode 100 fallobsession.com slash podcast is where you go to send that to us. Um, Ridge Rock Hunt Company is our podcast partner for this episode. I'm rocking the hat. Derek and Lacey, uh, we've enjoyed developing that relationship with them over the past couple years. They book hunts is what they do. Um, if you guys are looking for a new experience, maybe out-of-state hunt, wherever it might be, whatever it might be um, in North America, Hit them up, again, Ridge Rock Hunt Company, and they will find something that fits your budget and with a vetted outfitter that will get you squared away and a new experience for you. You, you won't regret it, I promise you. They're good good people. Drew, did I miss anything, man? No, I think we covered it pretty well today. All right, good deal. Well, guys, appreciate y'all listening to another Fall Obsession podcast episode. And next week, we're going to be back with you guys for another Monday morning episode. We'll catch you then. 